Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wazzas! Let's get fucking listening, baby! This is Jim Brown, the most devastating ball carrier in the history of football. house it's me it's your man it's your main man it's old walls and i'm back again episode number 72 coming your way before we get into that i just want to say thank you to everybody appreciate everyone still coming out watching listening to the pod uh so thank you guys thank you so much thank you thank you thank you appreciate all you uh you know the deal we're gonna touch on this real quick if you guys could if you could please rate review comment subscribe share tell your friends tell your family let them know. Old Wall's house. It's the place to be. So again, uh, thank you to everybody. Uh, got a fun show coming this week. We're going to talk some PGA Championship. Got a guest, Matt Waiter, stopping by to talk the PGA Championship with us. So uh, going to talk some Guardians baseball. We got some playoffs going on. We got a couple of fights, a little shenanigans. And uh, yeah, as always, my passing thoughts. So uh, as always, big thanks to producer Kevin for keeping us rolling. And uh, without any further ado, Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to talk about the PGA Championship that just concluded. And we have ourselves a, uh, well, I guess he's not a first-time guest. I guess he uh, he popped in on one bonus episode before, uh, but his first full t- full experience, uh, one Matt Wader, the pride and joy of New Jersey. Wader, how we doing, buddy? Doing great, Walls. Thanks for having me on, bud. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we just finished up uh, within the last you know 20 minutes here. Just give me your your kind of overall thought of the of the weekend. Uh, I know you've been you told me you've been watching a lot of golf uh, post your surgery here. You've been catching up on uh, all the rounds, all the shots. So, what was what was just your big takeaway before we kind of hammer down into some more specific stuff? Yeah, so I was actually able to watch quite a bit on all four days of the tournament this year, which is unlike most years for me. But uh, I actually thought that they set the course up really well um force the guys to have to hit good shots to score i personally like when they got the final score to be somewhere between five and ten under par to kind of nailed it this year gave guys the opportunity to make birdies um and i we kind of got lucky where the weather was all over the place too so you got to see them mud it through a day today they had some better weather where they could go and try and make some birdies so i thought they did a good job with the place I thought I didn't watch a lot of it this this year. I was kind of on the road for Thursday, Friday, and uh, played some golf in a tournament that took forever yesterday myself. But uh, I thought the course looked awesome today. They did a ton of renovations. I was there in 2013, and I barely remember any of the holes. Like it looks totally different. They did uh, a lot of uh, changes, and they were all really cool. Um, I, they got rid of the pond on what was it? It was the late par three that had the little runoff area. I think it was 15, the little runoff area yep. to the right. right um, yep. That used to be a pond. Uh, kind of opened up stuff. And uh, the rough looked nasty all week. And like you said, uh, the run of all the seasons in upstate New York uh, this time of year. Frost delay on Thursday. Downpour yesterday. Uh, perfect weather today. And there were some good scores to be had out there. Uh, four guys shot 65 today. And I mean, if you look through the leaderboard, there's a ton of 67s and 66 and 69. And um, 
uh, sorry, five guys shot 65. I missed Cam Davis. So you had Cam Davis, Kurt Kitayama, Sepp Straka, Cam Smith, and then Scotty Scheffler all shot 65. So it was gettable out there today. And some guys went out and got it. Um, and not the least of them, uh, Brooks Kepka, the winner. What did you just, I, I, th- I was, I wondered how he was going to react today. He's kind of been a little shaky in his last few majors, but he I came thought- out balling out of control. And, that, and that's what I think the big thing was. I think him coming out early, getting a bunch of birdies, allowing himself to settle in over a course of a round where you figure that there are going to be some bogeys, right? All those guys, especially at the top of the leaderboard who are swinging it a little bit tight, they're going to make some bogeys. So for him to come out and make, I think, what was it, three birdies in a row um, and that one stretch to really be able to settle it. I mean, it looked like he was – and he was swinging aggressive early. None of those swings looked that timid um, to mm-hmm. that first stretch of holes. Yeah, so I, I stole this tweet. Um, this was no lane up tweeted this. The field average proximity to the hole today through the first four holes. Number one, the field was 26 feet. Kapka hit it to 16. Number two, the proximity for the field was 25. Kapka hit it to four feet. Number three, 39 from the field. Four feet again for Kapka. And number four, 38. And for Kapka, nine feet. So just absolutely stuffing it to start the day. And like you said, he birdies two, three, four. I think I sent a text to the group chat. I, I think I timestamped it. Two fifty four. This thing's over. That may have been even after the second hole that I said that. But it was even when things got squirrely for Kepka, it never felt like it was out of control. Like just rooting for something to happen. It was like Every time something kind of squirrely happened for Kepka, I was like, eh, I don't really think this is going to like really bring Hovland back into it. I mean, the opportunity was the sixth, I believe, when he hit it off the continent right into the hazard <laughs> and got and you know where that drop was, what the lie was on the drop. I'm pretty sure he had to get it up pretty quick over a tree from like 215. Like that's where he could have brought double into play, hit a really good shot there um, back portion of the green got it down into and just make bogey yeah i thought that was big like that could have easily been a big number that's kind of the story of like kepka's major career outside of uh the masters the year tiger won is like the when everybody else makes double he just like hits it onto the green if it's 30 feet away he two putts for his bogey or you know just gets himself in position to chip it on close and make bogey like Every time there's a chance for him to like really implode, like I said, outside of the the 2019 Masters when he dumped it in the water on 12, he just doesn't like he kind of like just keeps it together. Like if he has to make a bogey, he makes a bogey and moves on, and he bounced back after like every shot, like every mistake. You know, six and seven was bad, but then he kind of settles himself on eight and nine. Then he makes birdie on ten. Yeah, bogey's eleven comes right back and birdie's twelve, and that was. An incredible bogey on eleven, I thought, um, when he hit the the fried egg in the bunker. Yes, and and he had a and he had a good look for par, like he had a beautiful yeah. putt from there, and ran it right over the edge. Yeah, I don't know how how many of people who were watching the telecast appreciate how good that bunker shot was. That could have stayed in the bunker or gone fifteen yards over the green. Yep, and he could have hit it into the lip. Like there was. So many bad things that could happen 
and only about two or three good things that could happen. And he somehow managed, I think, to hit probably as good of a shot as possible yeah. out of that situation. And then, like I said, ran it right over the edge. Um, I don't know. Did you catch this? Every I, I started noticing this. I don't even remember at what point. But every putt Kepka hit was like two feet by the hole if he didn't yes. make it. Yes. I mean, and I think that was two. I thought the greens rolled really good all week. I think the guys were making were able to hit putts on the aggressive side, trying to make putts um, when they had their opportunities to do it. Yeah, I mean, he putted really well all week. And I would say that you would say the complete opposite for Victor Hovland. Because mm-hmm. I think they said yesterday – he made like 61 feet of putts in total, and that was it. Um, so you would say the complete opposite for that uh, that fine young man. Yeah, one thing I did uh, I did think was a lot better from Hovland was his chipping. He had a couple of really good chips today, and chipping has not really been his strong suit. No, nah, and he, uh, yeah, he, talked, he talked about that a bit. I think it was after yesterday that uh, he's starting to see all the extra time he put into working on a short game starting to actually pay off. Strokes gained putting for the week. Victor Hovland was only plus .68, so you know .68 strokes better than the rest of the field. Kepka was plus one for the event. Um, yeah, yesterday, round three, Ke- uh, Hovland was minus 1.70 strokes gained putting for the day. So, I mean, he gave back, gave back almost two strokes. And, and yesterday, Kepka was plus 2.21. So, I mean, almost a four-shot swing right there and just that day alone. And, you know, the, the final, what was the final? Just two shots. But, I mean, that was kind of a kind of a bullshit two shots because right. uh, Hovland kind of yeah. threw that last-ditch birdie in there. So, I mean, yeah. basically the tournament was decided on the green yesterday, if you could say. And today was really just a two-horse race the whole way, really. Like, mm-hmm. there were a couple stretches where, you know, Scotty may look like he was going to make a run and maybe get in contention with it. But for the most part, you were it was two guys all day. You were actually yep. watching three guys. You were watching those two, and everyone was watching Block. Yeah. Do his thing. <laughs> yeah, before we jump to him, there was one other guy we have that I, I texted the, this in the group, too, was how long until Rory's – bogey or double that derails the the round and my god did i think i was gonna fucking nail that prediction when he came out and hit it to a fucking a foot on the first hole i was like oh he's ready we're gonna see it he's gonna shoot 31 or 32 and then sure shit it didn't even make it to the back nine he just flailed flared that uh that wedge out on two and was just kind of making birdies and bogeys all day but when he came out on one, I thought it was. I thought we were in full go for the Rory experience. It's funny because on two, all that they were been talking about on the telecast, like, "Oh, this is the one pin you don't really go after and take your medicine and just hit it, you know, ten feet out uh, to the fat part of the green." And he immediately just blocks one right into a dead zone. Yep. Speaking of block, let's talk about him, Michael Block. The, the PGA teaching pro from California, my man had himself the week of his life, I think. And, I mean, he must have said that a hundred times at every different time that he was interviewed was that, you know, this has been the week of my life, just trying to soak it all in. Um, 
Definitely should be mentioned, though. I think this is the fourth time he's played in the PGA Championship, and I think he's played in the U.S. Open, too. I believe that. And I think I heard that this dude wins, like, Southern California section events, like, at an alarming, like, rate. Like, I think I saw that, like, he's won, like, 40 out of 120 PGA section events. Like, something stupid. Well, while you're like, looking so this up, dude's, well, what is my man getting paid for this week? Uh, I believe it was $288,000 this Solid. week. Yeah, where where if I can – I don't even know if I'll be able to find it right now. But, yeah, um, I will say – I will say I was – I was giving it a little – like getting a little tired of like hearing about Michael Block. But then when he made the ace, I was like, fuck it. Let's ride. Like – I mean, Show me everything. I'm all in at that point. You know, and then, you know, at that point, he makes bogey on 16. And then he has two incredible up and downs on 17 and 18 to finish mm-hmm. T15 to get in for next year. Yeah, the putt on the putt on 18 with that up and down in the crowd, like for a dude who's not like a tour player. I can't imagine what it feels like, like being out there in the crowd with people and you're like looking left and right and you're like, holy shit, like these guys are right on top of me. Oh, I like, can all I can imagine is I know exactly. Yes. Yeah. That right there is what I'd be exactly <laughs> thinking. Uh, okay. So he's played in two U.S. Opens, played in the U.S. Open in 2007 and 2018. He's played in the PGA in 14, 16, 18, and 22, as well as this year. Never made a cut. Um, he won the California State Open in 01. He won he won the PGA professional championship, the the tournament these guys playing to get into the, the PGA championship in 2014. And then won the Southern California PGA Championship in 17, 18, and 22. I, I don't know where I saw that. His, that was his biggest check prior to this. And I think it was like seventy five thousand to win that PGA, like you said, to get into this thing, like the PGA. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, he went to Q school in 07. He's played in 25 PGA tour events. Okay. So like this guy's a player, like. Yeah. I mean, not a, you know, not a tour pro, but like this dude can, can golf his ball. Still. Yeah, absolutely. Like this is this is still. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the the best finish by any PGA pro since like 1986. I think, and so. I think that's. I think, I think they said there was never anyone who finished in the top ten that was correct, uh, like a touring pro or whatever. And uh, like the difference between, I think the difference between touring pros in 1986 versus club pros in 1986 versus today, I think is a vast difference. Like. I don't think yeah. the gap is as wide in 1986 as it is today. Like the Absolutely. dudes on tour today are are so much better than anybody else in the world that it's I don't even think it's a fair comparison. I mean, there's a lot of club pros that don't even hit a golf ball all week. Yeah. <laughs> I I would guess I would I would love to know what the number of that is. Like what like how many tour pro like how many PGA pros like at a at your regular, you know, golf course, your Muni whatever like um, what's the average number of holes those guys play? Like the average guy, does he maybe sneak in 18 a week? 
I mean, I'd probably set that over under at about 18. Yeah. I mean, unless you got a guy, <clears throat> it's weird. Cause there are very, like you can tell, like there are very different levels of like pros. Like there's the guy that works the Muni or like the golf course I'm at, or like the, the guy at the Tawanda country club, like they're living a really different life than the dudes who are like the guys at Oakmont, uh, um, you know, some of those uh, pains, uh, Pine Valley, like the, the dudes who are there living a very different life than most of the pros and the assistants kind of, you know, hustling to make dog shit money. Like there's yeah, when, you, when you get to the courses that have multiple pros and they have a little bit more opportunity, you know, Hey, you cover the shop or you're going to, I'm doing lessons today. You can, you know, you can go sneak yeah. out and play or whatever it is. Uh, you're not as much of a jack of all trades and really doing everything like some of the smaller, smaller clubs. Yeah, I mean, shoot, you go to some courses. I mean, they just have like teaching pros that they're they're just teaching. Like, they don't do anything else. They teach and they play a little, and yeah. then you don't see them more than like three hours a day. Um, where do we like when we look at this win for Brooks Kapka? What do you think this does for him? Like in an all time stance, what do you think this does for him short term? Um, I know there's talk that this probably makes him a pretty attractive, like hard way to leave him off the Ryder Cup team. So what what's kind of your overall takeaway from other than the fact that Brooks played an incredible round and kind of overcame a couple of shaky finishes in majors? Like, what do you think this means in like the all time sense for him? Well, I think this makes what eight overall victories for him and five majors. It's definitely five majors. I'll confirm the rest. So the issue for him is going forward, everything is just majors. I mean, five majors alone puts him in some unique company. Um, I was, well, I, I actually took some, it was something from Instagram this morning that if he was to win, Players to win five majors before turning 34. Tiger, Nicholas, Seve, Tom Watson, Gary Player, owner, uh, Arnold Palmer. That's your list. So Not a bad list. No. Um, I mean, the guy brings it in majors. So I think he probably can rat, you know, rattle off a couple more, but his overall win total – if the rules and guidelines don't change as is now, isn't going to get anything astronomical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had four other PGA tour wins. He'd won the waste management twice. He won the CJ cup once and the FedEx St. Jude invitational one time. He had also won uh, a European tour event, the Turkish airlines open. Beat your uh, beat your boy Ian Poulter in that one. Um, Good had a Good couple win. of Japan tour wins and and a few Challenge tour wins. Um, he has won twice on Live, um, for whatever that means. Right. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to what to think of those. Like he won, you know. I think the week before the Masters, and then had a pretty good week there. So maybe there's some, you know, some 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 correlation there, but. Didn't seem to work for DJ this week as I no, had that no. pick go down in flames. And that was kind of my logic on why I picked DJ in fantasy, and that did not go that well. 
No, DJ, DJ kind of shit the bed after getting out to the hot start. Uh, Coach Slanovic really bingoed the shit out of that guy for oh, us. He killed him. He killed him. <clears throat> yeah, so all-time major wins. Brooks now has five. Other guys with five are Seve Ballesteros, James Braid, who competed from 1901 to 1910, in case you weren't familiar with that name. To be honest, that was the first time I've heard that name. So uh, Brooks. Uh, Byron Nelson, many people have heard of him. J.H. Taylor, who competed from 1894 to 1913. And Peter Thompson, who uh, got his majors from 1954 to 1965. Um, so he gets out of kind of a logjam at, uh, at four with guys like Ernie Els, Ray Floyd, Rory. Um, and those are kind of the big names there. So now he's only chasing guys like... Lee Trevino, Phil, Nick Faldo at six. And then you start getting into like rare air up at seven. You're talking um, Bobby Jones, Arnold Palmer, Sarazen, eights, Tom Watson, nines, Hogan and player. And then Hagen, 11, Tiger, 15 and Jack, 18. So um, five's a pretty big deal. If he gets the six, I mean, you're talking the greatest of the greatest. And then anything above that is just icing on the cake. So. I would think this has to make him the player of the generation, no doubt. I mean, unless, you know, Rory figures out how to win a major, which doesn't seem like he can he can do anytime soon, or, you know, Spieth or somebody like that um, comes knocking. But well, Rom I think gets it's just, hot in a hurry. I mean, John yeah. Rom seems like the guy that, you know, he could start to rattle him off. Yeah. Yeah, Rom's young. He's got time. It's almost like – you know, Brooks is going to be the older guy and kind of phase out. So it's <clears throat> it, it's kind of interesting if you even consider them part of the same group of guys. But at, at worst case, you know, Brooks finishes what second best of the guys we named if John Rahm gets gets stupid hot. Right. And kind of the the interesting thing about Brooks is you see guys like rattle off a bunch of wins a lot. Like if you look at Rory. Um, you look at uh, Spieth, like they, you win a bunch of majors in blocks. Like look at Arnold Palmer. He won like all seven majors in like six years and then doesn't win them. Now, granted, we're only six years removed from Brooks winning this first one, but it feels like there was a gap. Like he won those, those first four, had some issues, kind of got injured and stuff. And that was reportedly one of the reasons why he went to live was he was worried he wasn't going to play good golf again and, you know, the injuries have yeah. taken his toll, but now he's kind of come back and won one. So it feels like the sky's still the limit with this guy. I mean, do you have the same feeling on that? Like I do. Yeah. I mean, I think, I still think that he's just a gamer though, for big time events. I think he's still, that's just always going to be who he is. Like he wants to play the majors, um, the bigger events or the bigger stops on tour, um, rider cups, like that kind of stuff, like gets him jacked up. Like, I don't think that he wants to go play the John Deere. I don't think he really gives a shit about winning 50 tournaments if, you know, they're not the big time stuff. Like, I just don't think that he cares. Yeah. Yeah, I think now that he has, now that he's won this PGA, so he's he's been in the PGA for life, but now he's good for the rest of the majors until I think 2024 is the first year the exemption starts. So 2024, 2025, 26, 27, and 28. So, I mean, he's good till 2028. How old is Brooks? 33. 33. So, for five, so till he's 38, like, that's the prime of his golfing career. 
Like, I think he's got the setup he wants now. Like, he can yes. play the 12 to 15 times on live, whatever that schedule breaks out to be, the four majors, and, and kind of call it a day. It's funny, now that Liv's kind of up their schedule, you're really not playing that much less on Liv than you are on the PGA Tour. Now, granted, he got handed a bag to do it, so right. the, the, the financial aspects are a little different, but, I mean, he could – it's funny. He could play 20 times on the PGA Tour and, like, meet all his commitments pretty much. I mean, maybe he might have to get to, like, 22 or 23, but, like, not a not a crazy difference in, in total number of events played. Events played, right. But, yeah, this seems like, like the setup for him. Like, he's going to – He's going to kind of, I don't know if waste away on live and kind of fall into the unknown and then just show up four times a year and probably compete and, you know, top 10, like half of them is what it feels like. He's just going to always be there. Yeah. I mean, he's just use. I feel like he's just going to use live to gear his game up to play the majors mm-hmm. and just make a shitload of money. If he happens to win the live events. Yeah. Or- or sometimes, like the way their setup is, he could play bad, and if the rest of the guys that are on his team play well, you know, he can get paid for that. I too. think that's changed a little Has bit it? with Liv. I think I read, I, I kind of read this thing in passing. I think because they're trying to like sell the teams off, like the the like little individual teams, right? And I think that the team winnings like goes to like funding travel. So oh, so the these events guys isn't getting paid like they I were think, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think I read that. And again, if I'm wrong, I could be very wrong. Like, don't don't take this one to the bank. But I think that's right. what I read. It's because they're trying to give like the teams like more ownership over what like what happens and like make it like twelve little franchises that they can like sell off. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's the best game plan going forward, but you know, I'm an idiot, so what do I know? Uh do you watch Liv? Like, do you watch any of the events? No, none. Absolutely not. And it's not just, really because, like, I'd say I'm, like, anti-Liv. Mm-hmm. I just don't care enough to go find it to watch it. Yeah. And I think, I thought I saw something, I don't know if one of, in our group chats or somebody sent it or I saw it somewhere else, that uh, you couldn't even watch the end of it because, was it, um, the CW that has it? They yeah, like ran of- out of airtime, and it was like whatever the regular scheduled uh, show was on, and it just cut the live out, and um, you couldn't even watch DJ win the end of the event or something like that. Like, yeah, because so- they went to a playoff with that, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the deal is like all the different CW channels. Like your CW channel is different than my CW channel, so they all operate like a little differently. Um, so like when certain, like some of them like have like hard outs and like at six o'clock, this thing goes off the air and the next one comes in and other ones will like make adjustments on the roll. So yeah, that, uh, that did happen that like certain people did not see the playoff that DJ wanted. <laughs> I have tried to watch live a couple times. The first couple tournaments I watched like a little bit of, I was just really curious ever since I've like turned it on. I'm like, why am I supposed to care? Like who wins this? Like. Exactly. That's just always been my thing. Like, I, I don't like you. I was like, at first I was like, fuck it. Go get your money. Like, get after it. Like, this kind of sounds cool. Like, I'm going to watch Phil wherever. And then I watched him. It's like, I don't know why I should care that these dudes are playing, you know, some random course in Orlando. Like, 
I mean, I guess that's just the the struggle of being the new guy. You kind of have to establish yeah. yourself to and get a kind of a, a history going. For whatever reason, I can't get behind like the shotgun start thing. Yeah, the shotgun makes it. I care. I just can't get behind it. It's like hard to track. I don't know. It, it shouldn't be that hard to like track, but it just it doesn't line up right. Like when I'm trying to watch it, like I was like, wait, he already played that hole. Like, so is this an easy hole or is that one an easy hole? It's kind of the beauty of like watching like today, like, you know, this guy got to the par five. This guy has the hard par three, 16, 17, 18 are brutal. So if you get through that and you know, you're tied, then Hey, maybe you actually have the advantage versus the guy playing where if it's the opposite. You want to have as many holes left. So, yeah, the, the shotgun definitely doesn't do it for me. Matthew, I think we've covered a lot of PGA Championship stuff here. Is there anything else we've missed that you want to point out, talk about from the week that you, you thought you saw, you thought was interesting? Anything else here? I don't think that Victor Hovland's ever going to pan out. Okay. Okay. That was something I'd meant to talk about and I forgot to ask you. So, thank you. Elaborate, please. I don't know. I just don't think he's got it. He's kind of like, a, to me, a step below of like what t- Tony Finau is. Like, okay. Guy plays really good golf. He seems to be around the top of, top of the leaderboard a lot. I mean, I looked it up. Victor Hovland's won three times. Like the Mayakoba Classic twice and like the lehigh valley open or something like <laughs> the guy like he doesn't want anything like he does seem to be around the top a lot i mean at least tony's starting to like win some stuff um i don't know his just doesn't, uh, just doesn't do it for me i just don't think he's ever gonna really like win his three wins are the puerto rico open and then yes uh the mayacoba golf classic and then this is, I think, the Worldwide Technology Championship is the Mayakoba Golf Classic again. Or at least something of that nature. Um, it, all, all of them kind of off-season stuff. Like, eh, Puerto Rico Open in February is not really off-season. But Mayakoba in December of 2020 and Worldwide Technology, yeah, that's the same one, in November of 2021. Like, those are off-season events. I think his European tour win, the Dubai Desert Classic, I think that's a solid tournament. I think that gets a good field. But other than that, like you said, yeah, not a lot of wins. Oh, He's won the Hero World Challenge a couple times, but that doesn't really count. How old, do you know, how old is he? He is 25, so he's young. Okay. Still, doesn't do it for me. I just don't think he's ever going to be like a real winner. He... He has been playing some good golf in majors. He was T4 at the Open Championship last year, but I think he played like dog shit on that Sunday, if I remember right. T7 at the Masters and then T2 this week. I didn't think he played bad today by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he had that one big mistake where he hit it under the lip of the bunker, which is wild that that happened twice on the same hole in back-to-back days. But, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. I kind of think he wins one eventually. But I don't think he's going to win a bunch. Like, I, if he went, like, I think he's going to kind of sneak one in. He'll have a good week with the putter and kind of Adam Scottish. Like, he's going to hit it awesome yeah. his whole right. career. And, you know, maybe he wins one, just gets hot with the putter and, and puts one all to get, puts one together for a week. 
So I, I, I think yeah, I think I can get behind your logic there. That's where I, it was where I fall. I, I, I'll take one. I'll take the over half a half a major one if you want to take the under. Fair, Don Bucket. Um, what else? Do we miss anything else? Now that I realize we totally missed Victor Hovland's future prospects. Um, Sky Scheffler's really good at golf. Yeah, great Sunday 65 from him. What was – he had just one day that really – yeah, yesterday. Three over yesterday, I think. Yeah. Like that dude really I think that dude wins it. Four or five majors. You would have to think. He wasn't – I don't think he putted well this week. Let me see if I can find that. Scheffler. Yeah, he only uh, – 0.38 strokes gained putting for the for the event. Um, not really. 35th in the field strokes gained putting. Not really how you win. No. How you win golf tournaments. He was number two overall in strokes gained for the week. Obviously, he finished second, so that kind of you know that kind of adds up. Those usually fall pretty close to that. Um, but yeah, uh, T to green. He was number one. Off the tee, he was three, approach eight, around the green seven, and then putting 35th. So the putter really let him down this week, and it has kind of let him down a little bit lately. So, I yeah. mean, I think if he just gets the putter figured out, and he doesn't seem to have, like, the yips or, like, real big issues, like, he just hasn't been hot with the putter. So I, I think I'm with you. If, if he gets that putter figured out, he's going to start ripping off ones again and, you know. It won't be long before we're talking about him as a, a favorite heading into the U.S. Open, I'm sure. Yeah. All right, Matthew. I think we uh, I think we covered it all here. Uh, any last parting words you'd like to, to leave us with before we wrap this thing up? Quickly touching on NBA playoffs, which is the only time I'll watch the NBA. <laughs> I will say that Jimmy Butler is the dude. Yep. That guy is just carrying the Miami Heat with a bunch of guys. I think they have like three or four guys who actually play significant minutes for them who've gone undrafted. Oh, nice. Um, so he's incredible. And the Nuggets are very good as well. Yeah, they, Nuggets they're, up they're, uh, up 3-0. LeBron hasn't hit a three in like, what, 25? Didn't miss like 25 straight threes or something like that? Yeah. No, I mean, Nuggets... They're legit. They play good basketball. Yeah, they're up 3-0. Uh, Heat Celtics tonight, Sunday night, we'll, uh, we'll uh, see if uh, they're up 3-0 and these things can get wrapped up and they can move on to the finals real quick. Well, actually, I think the finals, yeah, the finals are. They're locked in. So if these things get get uh, wrapped up shortly, uh, both teams are going to have a nice little, uh, nice little break before they start the finals. Well, Matthew, thank you again, buddy. Uh, appreciate you you hopping on here. We'll uh, we'll definitely see more of you again here. So uh, appreciate it, and look forward to doing this again, bud. Thanks, bud. Have a good one. I guess it's time to talk about the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, hasn't been pretty lately. Losers of losers of seven of the last ten, three and seven in their last ten games, including a weekend sweep by the New York Mets in ways that Cleveland just found ways to lose games. Saturday gets rained out, so there's a Sunday doubleheader. But back to Friday first. Let's just talk about Friday. Let's talk about it. 
they blow not one, but two leads. Two leads late. They go up 7-3, and they blow that. Then they're up 9-7 and end up losing in extra innings. Just brutal. Uh, Sunday, Sunday in the afternoon game? How does that, that turn out? Well, top eight rally? Give it right back in the bottom of the eighth. Jose Ramirez home run in top of the eighth. Home run by the Mets right in the bottom of the eighth. They lose that game. And then they give up the lead again in the bottom of the eighth in the nightcap. Granted, it was a uh, a tough a tough matchup. They had to face Scherzer in the afternoon and Verlander in the evening. So those are not gimmies by any stretch of the imagination. I I believe the Mets are playing decent ball here. Let's double check, but I, I think they're they're a few games over five hundred. NL East. Let's get to the NL East. Yeah, there are a couple games over 500. They're five back of the Braves in the NL East. Braves playing some good ball, it looks like, 29 and 17. As much as I've gotten into watching Cleveland, I haven't really been keeping up on the rest of the league, which is, I don't know, I guess kind of interesting. Um, in, in, their, in, the, in the spirit of finding ways to lose games, just could not score early in the series against the White Sox. They scored two runs and three runs. It's a theme. They they finally beat the the White Sox in one of the games, three one on Thursday last week. So, yeesh, just just not great. And the the one game, the one game recently where they actually score some runs, they score nine runs on Friday against the Mets, and they give up ten. When was the last time, other than that game, that they scored over four runs? When's the last time they scored eight against the Angels? And then seven against the Red Sox back on April 29th. There's not scoring. Not scoring. Also, this was like the week of facing old old Cleveland Guardians, old former Cleveland Indians even. These guys were Cleveland Indians, I can say it. Uh, faced uh, Clevenger, pitches for the White Sox now. Cookie Carrasco was pitching Friday for the, the Mets. Lindor plays for the Mets. Uh, speaking, talk about that rotation. Cookie Carrasco, uh, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander. Oof, oofta, oofta when you have to face that. What's, how, how are those guys looking? Like, how's that? Like, it's Carrasco still a good pitcher. He's had four starts. 18 innings, he's 0-2 and has an ERA of 8.68. So, not so much. Not so much, maybe. I mean, what's Scherzer? Scherzer's ERA is kind of high. Four. Verlander's is 3-6. T. McGill is there. That's the best one lost. Interesting. So... Maybe Carrasco's not what he once was, but it was uh, it was a week of former Guardians and Indians just giving it right to the, the current Guardians. Uh, White Sox, uh, series with the White Sox coming up, a homestand. Then they got the Cardinals at home, and then they're out to Baltimore uh, next week. So this week we're, we got uh, three with the White Sox. Gosh, got to gotta get, got to win that series. Like, can't be, can't be losing series to the White Sox. 
to to make up ground. They're, I mean, even after all this debacle of a week, I think we're only four back, maybe four and a half back of of the Twins. Double check this here. Yeah, four and a half back of the Twins, a game back of Detroit. Like this division's not good. AL Central, not great. So like, just just don't suck. Don't suck. You want to talk about sucking though? Let's just talk about some of the stats for Cleveland this year. Some of their hitting stats. They're 28th in runs. 28th in hits. 21st in doubles. They're 6th in triples. Last in home runs. Last in RBIs. Now, here's here we're going to go on a little good stretch of stats here. 19th in, in walks. Not terrible. Least amount of strikeouts. Fourth in stolen bases, but hey, let's let's get back to what we're really succeed ex- excelling at here. Twenty sixth in batting average, twenty eighth in on base percentage, last in slugging, and last in OPS. This is a bad offense, a bad bad offense. It's amazing that they're only five games below five hundred. It could be way worse, way worse somehow. But the, the pitching's been pretty good. I mean, let me pull up the pitching. I didn't write the pitching stats down. I'll have to look at this. Uh, team ERA. Ninth in Team ERA. Not striking anybody out by the looks of it. I mean, good Lord. 28th in strikeouts. I don't know what whip is. I have no idea what whip is. I'll have to have Ethan explain that to me. 129, the 14th and whip, so they're all right there. Opponent's batting average. If you I've noticed one thing, the Tampa Bay Rays are at the top of most of these categories. <laughs> no surprise. Opponent batting average, 22nd. So like ugh. it's an, it's incredible that they're not worse based on all these stats. Who knows? Maybe they'll figure out how to turn around. Rough start last year. Ended up making the playoffs. So hopefully, hopefully it gets better. I don't know that it can. It seems like it can get a whole lot worse. Like I was just going to say, I don't know that it can get worse, but I, it seems like it can get a lot worse for Cleveland. I, I don't know how. It hasn't been worse, to be honest, but it seems like the worst is yet to come. Hopefully they can flip the script and we can figure it out in, in June and July and the you know, the dog, what, what are the, you got to get the July and August before you're in the dog days of summer, right? So hopefully we can, we can get this thing figured out. Moving on to some other sports. Let's, let's go to talk about some playoffs. Playoffs? The NBA playoffs. Get your brooms out, ladies and gentlemen. Get your brooms out. The Nuggets are up 3-0 on the Lakers. And the Heat are now up 3-0 on the Celtics. Both teams looking for sweeps. The Nuggets and the Lakers play tonight. Monday night here and not too long. Just a, just an hour or so here. Hour or two. A couple hours now. I don't know. What time are they? 8.30? Oh, a few hours yet. Um, so, yeah. We'll see if LeBron can actually make a few threes tonight. But the Nuggets. Jokic. The Joker. Mark Jackson didn't think he was the MVP, apparently. And uh, Jimmy Butler, Michael Jordan's apparently illegitimate son, is the rumor out there. You know, nobody knows. In the playoffs, he looks like him. They will be looking for the sweep tomorrow night. I'll tell you one thing. The NBA and ESPN, ABC, whoever, you know, whoever hosts the... Oops. 
shook my camera. Whoever is uh, hosting the, the, the playoff coverage, n- probably not thrilled with Heat Nuggets. Lakers-Celtics probably sounded a little bit more appealing to them. And I'll be honest with you, I'm probably not tuning into Heat Nuggets. Lakers-Celtics, I'd watch. I'd watch a game or two, maybe. I don't know why I'd watch a full game. I'd throw it on. I would at least give it a try. Oh, it tells me right here. The Western Conference Finals are on ESPN and the Eastern on TNT, and then the finals are on ABC. There we go. I figured it out. I'm a smart guy. But yeah, I'd probably watch portions of some games with Lakers Celtics. I don't really see myself tuning in for Nuggets Heat. Just, I don't know. Maybe I'll catch a couple minutes here or there if I've like got nothing going on, but. I don't know, man. I don't know. Doesn't do it for me. I, and I'm, that's probably what the people at uh, Disney, ESPN, ABC, they're all thinking. They're like, shit, shit. We can get people with Lakers Celtics. Well, that looks highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. Uh, Nuggets Heat. The, uh, the one, it's going to be the one seed from the West and the eighth seed. From the East. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, moving on. Let's talk some fights. Some fight game stuff. Might as well start with the shenanigans. Boxing. Seemed to be some shenanigans this uh, this weekend. Uh, I did not watch this fight. I was tired Saturday. I went to bed. Wasn't Didn't feel like staying up for it and buying this thing. Devin Haney picks up a unanimous decision victory over Vasily Lomachenko. 116-112, and then 115-113 twice. What I saw on the Twitter, and I'll probably end up watching this fight like next week. I'm sure they'll put it on TV. But what I saw on Twitter was there were a lot of people who thought Lomachenko won 116-112, 115-113. There were some Haney's. There, were, there was a decent amount of Haney's out there. But 116-112 for Haney seemed funky. And, I mean, the the large majority of people I saw thought Lomachenko won the fight. One of those people for sure was not the, the, the scorer, Dave Moretti, the judge. He gave Haney two of the last three rounds, including the 10th round, which by all accounts, and on the other two cards, went to Lomachenko was a Lomachenko round. Now, that said, if Loma wins the 10th on his scorecard, it doesn't change on anything. Not a thing. He lost the 12th on all three cards. Despite being one of his more active rounds, he threw as many punches in the 12th. I think he threw more punches in the 12th than he did in the 11th and 10th. So I saw going around that there was like, oh, he took the round off. He took the round off. It doesn't appear that way from the punch stats. Punch stats can be very, 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 very lie though. Like, you can't base everything on punch stats. Sometimes you can hit a guy a lot more, but you just get hit with bombs. Like, you can tap him, tap him, tap him, then just take bombs. But none of that would have mattered. Like at, So it would have taken uh, a lot of things to change. And I think... 115-113 obviously is the closest win you can get in boxing. That's seven rounds to five. But it's when you see things like Dave Moretti's card, 
where and what seems to be an obvious round. And I mean, I saw it on Twitter. Best round of the night for Lomachenko in the tenth. Can he keep it going? Uh, is that you know? It's this looks like he sealed this fight up. Oh, that really puts him back in. The, I mean, everybody who even the people who had Haney winning on uh, a little bit wider margin on Twitter, like everyone's like best round for Loma. And Dave Moretti gives it to Haney. I think Dave Moretti's had some scurry scorecards. Let me look at something here. I think he had a bad scorecard. And oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't Dave Moretti in the first Canelo fight. He actually scored, he scored at one fifteen, one thirteen for. It was Don Trella who scored a bad round. Okay, sorry, Dave Moretti. Didn't mean to. I didn't mean to blast you. But I'm gonna blast you on that one. That was a bad one. That was a bad one by all by all accounts. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Haney, I have to imagine, goes up to 140, unless he's getting a, a Tank Davis fight at 135, which I, I don't think so. I I think we got teased a little bit by Tank fighting Ryan Garcia, and we're like, oh, he's going to take big fights now. I think they may have, in hindsight, like looking back, I didn't see this. I think they really knew what they had with Ryan Garcia. I think they knew they had a guy they could beat. Like, I think they really knew it deep down. So I don't think we're getting Haney Tank Davis. I can't see him sticking around for Shakur Stevenson. That's just a bad... I just don't think that's a good matchup for him. I think he's going up to 140. He's going to stay... I think he stays right in the top rank. Um, promotional brand. I think he's got guys he can fight there at 140 with top rank. Uh, Josh Taylor. Tia Fimo. They can, they can do some stuff for him um, at 140. What Loma does next, I have no idea. Um, by everything I've read... And the highlights I've seen, he looked he looked good. I mean, Devin Haney's a good fighter. To lose Devin Haney's not, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. So, I mean, Loma apparently put on a good show. So, be very, very interesting. I see Haney at 140. I have no idea what I see with Loma. Is 130 maybe back in play? I mean, that's more of a comfortable weight for him. Like, 135, he is, he's small for 135. He is very small. Uh, let's head on over to UFC. Nothing. I didn't watch this stuff. Uh, I don't have a, a ton of interest in Kai Kara France and Amir Albazi this weekend. Um, there's also nothing on that card. The UFC 289 in a couple of weeks. Not speaking to me either. Manny Nunes. Charles Oliveira, Oliveira and Benil Dariush is a decent fight, but the rest of the card not talking to me. Um. Yeah, but, but there's some fights coming up that they've just announced that I am very interested. UFC 290 is kind of interesting, but then we start getting out. We get to 291, and we've got Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje, number two. Hell of a fight the first time around. Hell of a fight the first time around. And this one's going to be on uh, UFC 291. <clears throat> Looks like it's going to be the main event. The co-main is going to be, now this is a card. 
Tony Ferguson again? Oh, no. Oh, no. Is this no way all these fights are happening on this card? Kevin Holland, Derek Lewis, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Paula Costa, Tony Ferguson, and Bobby Green, Jan Blachowicz and Alex Pereira, and then Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. We really doing it that big for tw- is that the is that the one in Fight Week? International Fight Week. That is a great card. Great card. I could do without them doing it for the BMF belt. Like who gives a f- just let those two dudes fight. I mean, I guess they're making it the main event, so they have to make some sort of belt on the line or some dumb shit. But that's a fun fight. I cannot wait. I'll buy that fucking event. Like, just pencil me in for that right now. Saturday, July 29th. I'm in. UFC 292 also gets a fun fight. Aljamain Sterling is going to face Sugar Sean O'Malley for his title, for uh, Sterling's title. So that's a fun one. Not much else announced for that card yet. Willy Zhang and Amanda Limos also uh, announced as the co-main. So a couple of fun fights uh, later on this summer for UFC that I'm very interested in. Not much on the way to that. I don't think there's much in the boxing world coming up to speak of. I think it's a little bit of a dry spot here. Let me just spin through the calendar. See if there's anything of note. Yeah, looking a little bare. Josh Taylor, Tiafimo, June 10th. That's on regular ESPN, too. That should be a fun fight. That's a good one. That's a good one. It'll come on at fucking 1 a.m., but it'll be a good fight. Ooh. Other than that, I don't see shit. There's nothing. There's nothing other than that in boxing, so... All right, that uh, that ra- oh one last thing. Francis Ngannou is uh, signed with PFL. Apparently, it's one of the richest contracts for any MMA fighter. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I don't know PFL. I don't know. I've ever watched a single PFL thing in my life. We'll see if I don't know. I don't know how that'll turn out. No clue. I got nothing. I got nothing for you there. It's happening, and I got nothing. Who knows? All right, let's move on. Let's uh, let's get to some passing thoughts. Let's start with one I kind of missed last week. I, I think it kind of came out that I could have made the show last week, and I just kind of blew by it. John Morant, he's been suspended. Suspended after showing the piece. Bang, bang. On uh, IG Live. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to think about this. I get why. He's being suspended. Like, he's obviously had a little bit of an issue. I mean, allegedly, I believe there was an allegation that he was pointing a gun at somebody. He's got the gun up in the strip club. Like, it's a bad look. Don't get me wrong. It's dumb. It's not an intelligent move. It's like, why do you need to pull the gun out every time, like, you're on IG Live? Like, the memes and the videos and the reels going around. Like, it's those are great. So, like, I get it. I get what they're doing. I saw some arguments that... I didn't see coming from, um, like, Will Kane was a guy who was like, hey, what? what is, he hasn't broke any laws. Why are we suspended him? I get that in a sense. I get where the Grizzlies are coming for him. Like, what are they paying, Ja? Like, something like $30, 40000000 a year? 
like I guess they have a little bit of a right to be like, hey man, you are getting a lot of money from us. Stop. That said, like at what point does that end? Like at what point does hey your employer doesn't like what uh, what you do with your time, and we're just gonna suspend you or fine you? Like where does that end? That's kind of a that's kind of a slippery slope to get on. I don't know if I love that precedent. And again, it's not just like a regular employer. And it's not like you're just Joe Schmo walking down the street and nobody knows who you work for. Like you're John Morant, you're posting it on Instagram and you play, you're highly visible. You've had issues. This isn't like, oh, the gun came out one time. You'd have to think, hey, like, job, be be smarter than to whip the gun out again after you've already gotten in trouble for guns. So very interesting, very interesting. The memes, though, the memes and the reels have been fantastic. Give me more of those. Got a couple of neat little stats here. These are sports related. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Cam Newton is the only player, the only player from the 2010 Auburn football team to record a pass attempt, rush attempt, or a reception in the NFL. He's the only guy from the 2010 Auburn Tigers, they won the national title, to touch the football in the NFL. Unless their center was in the NFL too, or somebody who plays center now, but nobody else has touched the football. Very interesting. I found that very interesting. And then here's a Barry Bonds stat from 2004. In 2004, Barry Bonds had 373 at bats. He reached base safely 376 times that year. 376. He reached base three more times than at bats he had. Yes, I'm aware walks don't count as at bats, and he got there a lot because of walks. But Jesus Christ, what were the? How did I not think to do this? Have this waiting and ready? We gotta pull up his his just stats from that year. I think he had like 45 home runs. I want to say he had like 45 home runs in 04. Two thousand four, he played in one hundred and forty-seven games, six hundred and seventeen plate appearances, scored one hundred and thirty runs. He was walked two hundred and thirty-two times. Two hundred. He hit forty-five home runs. How about that shit? How about Barry Bonds only hit over fifty home runs one time in his career, and it was the year he had seventy-three home runs. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, his his career high in home runs other than the year he hit um, 73 is 49 in 2000, the year before, and then 46 back in 1993, his first year with San Francisco. Interesting. So very interesting. How many times was he intent? He was intentionally walked 120 times in 2004. Jesus. He had 476 at bats the year he hit 73 home runs. He had 373 in 04. 04 was his last good year. He only played 14 games the next year. 
and then he played 130 the following in 06, and then 126 in 07. Those years he is uh, significantly dropped. Four straight a uh, four straight MVP was that All Star MVP? No, All Star and MVP. Yep, four straight MVPs for him. As well as a couple other ones earlier in his career. So, sorry, got a little off topic there. Got a little bit out on a Barry Bonds rant. Um, so yeah, I have a question for you guys. Is the song Eight Mile, like the actual song Eight Mile itself, is it better than Lose Yourself from Eight Mile? I'm going to throw my hat in the yes category that the song 8 Mile is a better song than Lose Yourself. Just listen to it. Check it out. I don't think I can. If I could play it, I would. But I think that's going to get me banned from a lot of things. I think I might get away with it on Spotify. I don't know if if someone of my stature gets to get away with that. Um, But yeah, just, just, just a thought. Just a thought. I got another question. Is there a requirement? For golf courses all around the world to just have shitty service in their locker rooms? Like, what the fuck, man? What if I got to take a shit at the golf course? Just got to play fucking solitaire on my phone. Can't just scroll the Twitter or the or the Instagram because there's no fucking service. Why is that a thing? It's everywhere. I don't know why. Like, I can't tell you how many golf courses I've been in before, like, uh, high school matches, uh, college matches, just playing some other stuff. And you're like, just kind of roaming around. You go to the bathroom, getting ready for the round. You're just trying to relax, scroll through your phone. Can't do it in the fucking locker room. Not happening. Not happening. Speaking of which, this locker room that, that led me to think this was that, uh, you know, good friend of the show, Zach Places track. I uh, want to thank him for the hospitality. Uh, before he bolts the Midwest, he was uh, nice enough to uh, line my pocket a little bit. Played a couple of rounds with Zach, and uh, had a, uh, it worked out financially for me, I think. So uh, thanks, Zach. Appreciate the appreciate the hospitality before you before you bolted the uh, the Midwest summers. Uh, big news! Big news in the sports announcing world, I guess you could call it. Pat McAfee is taking his show to ESPN starting this fall. Uh, they're kind of retooling their fall lineup. I don't love it. I don't love it. I'm sure it's a great move for him financially, and I think I read a lot of stuff that he was looking to do less with his show now that he's had a child, um, just trying to not have as much going on behind the scenes, and I don't know if that means you know writing or uh, dealing with personnel stuff or uh, advertisers. I don't whatever it is. I've I've saw that he wanted to do less with the show, and maybe this movie, the ESPN, does that. So hopefully for him, it works out. I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical this works out, and it gives even half as good a show as he currently gives. He says nothing's going to change. He said the only thing is going to change is they're going to say fuck less. He said everything else is still on the table. They're still going to act the same way. I'm skeptical, man. I know he's doing it. He's like, there's still going to be one on YouTube. This show will always be free. But if it's going on ESPN TV, like, there have to be commercials. So that's already different. I know he's got, I know some portion goes to the radio, so there's commercials and breaks and stuff like that. But, like, ESPN, you're telling me ESPN's not going to be like, hey, you got to do this. And they're going to say 
Like up front, they're going to say, of course, they're going to say, oh, no, no, you don't want to do anything. You can do whatever you want. But eventually, eventually, ESPN's going to like put their foot down about something. He's not just going to, I don't know. I mean, he, he's Pat Mac. I will say he's Pat McAfee. He's the same guy when he's on college game day. Just doesn't swear. I just, I don't know, man. I've watched ESPN for like the last 10 years. They they kind of suck. And they've kind of lost. Like, there's a reason why Pat McAfee was has gotten as big as he has. It's because dudes who like him watch ESPN and are like, this ain't for me. And then they go watch Pat McAfee. Like, that's why I watch Pat McAfee. Because, like, what's happening on ESPN kind of sucks. So, great move by ESPN. Like, they've kind of got a relationship with him already. And so they're bringing him in. Um, They're bringing him more into the fold to kind of get back the people who, you know, would have left their viewership audience, I guess. I mean, I'm going to check him out on, I, I watch McAfee. I listen to it, his, you know, the, the podcast sometimes the next day. I, I tune in Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, stuff like that. So I'll check it out on ESPN, but I hope, I hope I'm dead wrong. Like this is one of those scenarios where I a hundred percent hope I am dead wrong. I want the show to be as good as it always was. If it's on ESPN, I can just flip my TV on sweet. I'm skeptical again. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm worried. I'm not, I'm worried. I'm not, you know what else I'm worried about people who participate in no moment. What the fuck are you doing? Do you just want us to know, like, hey, I'm an idiot. I'm a lazy fuck. I'm going to not mow my lawn for a month. It's going to grow to fucking knee high. You know what's in there? Ticks. That's what you're fucking protecting. You're protecting fucking ticks. Then my dog goes in there and takes a shit in it. Because he likes shitting in high grass, and it's fucking impossible to clean up. shouldn't even clean it up. I should just leave it there. should just leave it there. No more mo, no more May. You're not going in there anyway. Oh, ugh, dried out shit in June. Mow your fucking yard, people. Mow your yard. Also, there was a story I forgot to tell last week. Let me get a swig of water here. So I mentioned last week about uh, had gone to the PGA Championship the last time it was no kill. Uh, coming up on ten years ago, it was in August back then. Well. There, there were, uh, there were. Uh, I was going with the the Gordon brothers, H man and T man. We were going. Well, another friend of ours, uh, a young gentleman by the name of Dakota Roof, decided he was going to go Monday night. So Monday night, we're going Thursday, leaving Wednesday to get up to uh, a friend's house where, like I said, we drank all night. And I don't can't imagine doing that. So we order his tickets in the Tawanda Country Club Pro Shop office Monday night. And this is how far time has, like, how fast things have changed. If you order tickets now Monday night, you have them on your phone later Monday night. Well, the way to get these was they were getting shipped, like FedEx today. So, like, they were supposed to get in Wednesday. And we're like, oh, perfect. They'll be in Wednesday. We'll pick them up and we'll hit the road. Well, sure as shit. They're not in Wednesday when we need to leave. Like, I can remember getting to his house and be like, Where, we haven't seen the tickets. He's like, oh, yeah, those TEDx doesn't show up here till like, 8 o'clock. Like, you guys are going to be waiting. And we're like, shit, we can't wait. We were supposed to pick T-Man up on the way. It's just a whole fucking disaster. Next thing you know, we are driving all over Bradford County 
looking for FedEx trucks. Like we are literally, I think we literally stopped the FedEx truck and he's like, Oh, nope, I'm not going there. And like, we're calling people. We found this dude at like a gas station, like 20 miles from, from my buddy's house. And we're like, and we're like, Hey, do you have uh, a delivery for so-and-so? He's like, yeah. Like, can you show me, like, if you show me some ID, I can go get it and give it to you, I guess. Like we literally called and tracked down one FedEx truck in an entire county to pick up these tickets. And I can't believe I forgot to tell that story last week because I think we literally drove every back road we could find. We just started making turns. I think we stopped another FedEx truck and they're like, uh, yeah, we don't, we, that's not our route. Like we're not going that way. And that, I think that guy called and like directed us to where he was. So just an absolutely wild story. All right. That's all I got for this week. Closing time, everybody. Okay. Uh, we're all set here for the, the week. Episode 72 in the books. Uh, I want to say thank you to all you guys. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, appreciate all you guys. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, thanks for, again, the producer, Kevin, keeping everything on the rails here for us uh, and keeping this thing kind of kind of going for us here. So thank you, guys. Uh, thanks to Matt Waiter for coming on, uh, chatting with me about the PGA for a while. Uh, giving us, you know, that insight you can only get from the uh, the most famous man in New Jersey, one may say. Uh, back next week, as always, we got uh, playoffs, baseball. Um, got, there's going to be more golf to talk about. I don't know how much I'll watch this week, but we'll find something. And I'm I'm dabbling, dabbling, looking at lining up uh, kind of a new topic to talk about. I don't want to say it's happening until it's confirmed, but I think it's going to be something new. It's going to be interesting for us. It's going to be interesting. So, uh, so until then, we'll uh, we'll talk about more when we know more. So, until then, peace. <laughs>